I want to welcome you to Bible study session. It's always a joy to study God's word. And this evening we're going to study the letter that is written to Philippians. Uh, we're going to study about this letter that Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. So let's look at the background of the book of Philippians. This background will teach us a lot more and it will help us really understand why Paul has written the way he has written uh, this book. It teaches us a lot of lessons about living for Christ, being faithful to him, and also holding on to Christ even during tough situations. Uh, if you look, look at the first chapter, he talks about people, you know, participating in his trial, you know, people going through the persecution that he went through. And in the background, we will see why Paul says all that statement, and we will look back at the incidents that had happened. Amen? So let's start with the background. Now, whenever Paul chose to minister in a place or preach the gospel, he was also, he was always very strategic about it. Okay? He would choose a location that was not only an important location, but a location that will open up access to many other cities. So that's how Paul ministered. He was very strategic. So even in this day, even to this day, if you study about the ministry of Paul, you will see that Paul ministered in places that were important locations, that were key location that will influence many other cities from that part. So let's say, if you think of India, what is one of the strategic locations? What is one of the key locations? Let's say even Karnataka. We'll think of the capital. Why? Because it is uh, a lot of people come there. We have diverse groups of people. A lot of activities happening. You know, for example, you know, if we think of sharing the gospel from Paul's perspective, nobody will think of going to Kurg, a small place, sharing the gospel. He would always look for a bigger place that was prominent, and he will share the start the gospel from there, and then he'll go to the villages. That is how he preached the gospel. So it was very strategic. And so if you look from that perspective, Philippi was one of the greatest towns of that time. One of the distinctive features was that in the neighborhood of Philippi, what ha what Philippi had a, a gold and a silver mine, gold and a silver mine, which were extracted about 1000 BC, 1000 BC or even before that. And what happened is by the time of the first century, the mines were extracted and there was nothing much left. And because of all the mining activities, they had run out of gold and silver. So what, but what happened on the other hand is that Philippi, by the time, became a place for great commercial activities in the ancient world. So think of uh, a city where you can go to shop, where you will find a lot of things that you need, all in one place. What is a city like that? Bangalore, of, of course, this commercial street at MG Road. <laughs> who, can, who can miss that? <laughs> so it, it, think of cities in India. There are some there where a lot of commercial activities happen where you can find everything that you need. Okay, everything is easily accessible. Philippi was a place like that. So in modern times, it could have been something like a Bangalore or let's say if you look at globally, something like, a Singap like Singapore. Like people go to Singapore to shop to do shopping, so something like that. And if you look at the history of this city, this city was founded by Philip. Do you know who Philip is? Who is the father of Alexander the Great? Philip. <laughs> so this city was founded by Philip, father of Alexander the Great. 
and so it bears his name philip so philippi so philip the father of alexander the great founded this city in the year 368 bc and this city used to be a strategic city to win many wars because geographically the city was basically a range of hills there were a range of hills that divided europe and asia and philippi was one of the hills that dips into a road was a hill one of that hills hilly places that will lead to a road that was one of the main key roads between europe and asia and in this location many wars were fought like how many of you have heard of uh, antony defeated brutus cassius you forgot i have i've studied about him and brutus cassius <coughs> Uh, so this was a place. Okay, don't worry about it. Uh, they are not biblical characters. <laughs> so Antony defeated Brutus. Some of the key uh, wars that happened, uh, and Cassius in this area. So thereby, this you know decided the future of the Roman Empire. Uh, so immediately after all of this, Philippi was given the status of a Roman colony. Okay, so people who fight in the Roman army, maybe uh, some many of them may not be a Roman citizen. okay so once they've served in the army for a very long time they would be given the citizenship which was a big title of honor okay for example uh, a roman citizen will never be crucified that is why paul was never crucified jesus was not a roman citizen so they crucified many people would pay a big price to get that citizenship many of them who serve in the army for a very long period of time uh, would get that citizenship okay so it was a title of great honor what would happen is that they would receive the citizenship and they would be sent to philippi so philippi was a place of of call it as a place where you can retire okay it was a beautiful place uh, it was highly developed the roads were good no potholes i believe and romans used that as a strategic place for their wars and also to house uh, some of their great people there so it was a roman colony it was a highly developed city and so in a place like philippi the roman culture was dominant roman language was spoken that was greek was spoken and the customs of the romans were observed and people living in philippi were proud that they were romans it was a proud thing for them to be part of the roman uh, culture So now let's look at why did Paul how did Paul end up going to the city how did Paul reach this city for ministry turn with me to acts chapter 16 in this chapter we will find the story of how Paul landed in Philippi acts chapter 16 let's turn to verse number 6 I'm going to read a couple of verses for you. Acts chapter 16 verse 6 to 10. This is where Paul receives the call to go to Philippi. Acts chapter 16 verse 6 to 10. If you're there, I would like to read it for you. Now, they, when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mysia they came down to Troas. 
verse 9, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. And so we see here Paul receiving a vision to go to Macedonia. He sees a man saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, we don't know who the man is, okay? The Bible doesn't give us the detail, but he saw a vision. Now, if you look at verse 11 and 12, it says like this, Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace, and next day came to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia, a colony, and we were staying in that city for some days. So where did they reach? Verse 12, they came from Neapolis to Philippi, which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia. So we see here, Paul ended up going to the city because he received the call. In a vision, he saw a man saying, come over to help us. In other words, you can call it this way, that God called Paul to minister in Philippi. And so in Philippi, they stayed for some days and eventually the church began. That is how Paul ended up going to this city. Now, if you look at Paul's ministry and the way it begins, it is very interesting. It's very, very interesting. Because Paul meets three kinds of people there in the church. Three kinds of people in the city in Philippi. The first is this very influential lady called... There is a very influential lady in the New Testament. Not Mary. <laughs> Not Elizabeth. Who's the influential lady in Paul's ministry? Lydia. So Lydia was an influential lady and he met this lady in Philippi. And also, do you remember this other incident where one girl came to Paul, started following Paul and Silas and said, these men are the servants of the Most High God, listen to them. Now, who was this girl? Don't tell me that you don't know this story. <laughs> don't tell me that you don't know this story. She was a slave girl, and what did she do for a living? Used her for what reason? What reason? Fortune. Tell. Fortune. You really have to read, you all have to really read the scriptures and know the story. Remember these stories. Okay, so Paul meets the first lady, Lydia, and then a slave girl. And then what was, who, and, and we see in the story of, finally Paul was imprisoned, thrown in jail, and the earthquake happens. The jail doors are open, you know, broke open, but Paul did not flee. He's still there. And in that situation, a jailer came to Christ jailer came to Christ. So we see these three incidents happen in Philippi. We see three kinds of people. One is the lady called Lydia. Second is a slave girl. And third one is the jailer. Now, if you look at this, it may seem like, you know, three ordinary people. But as you look at it, it tells us how the gospel reaches out to anyone and any kind of person. Let me tell you something, you know, turn with me to Acts chapter 16, verse 16 to 19. Sorry, let's first one, 14 to 15, same chapter, 14 to 15. 
let me read that passage for you. It talks about Lydia there. Now, a certain woman from a woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira. Now, Thyatira is a city that belonged to Asia Minor. So basically, this city, this lady was an Asian. Now, we don't know if she looked like a Chinese. <laughs> we don't know if she looked like a North Indian or a South Indian, who knows, or any Asian country. We don't know where she is from. But the Bible says she is from the city of Thyatira, which is part of Asia. It's called Asia Minor specifically. So this woman opened her heart to things that Paul spoke, and she gave her life to the Lord. And was 15, she and her household, household were baptized. Now, this lady is not a simple woman, okay? The Bible says like this, a certain woman named Lydia heard us, and she was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira. Now, you may wonder what is purple, because the purple we know today is the purple color. I saw an apartment called Purple Streak, <laughs> and it didn't look anything like purple. The paint had gone off. So, so this, this woman was a seller in purple. Now, a dealer in purple me meant, in that time, one of the costly substances in the ancient world. She was a dealer in one of the most expensive things. So basically, she was known as a merchant prince. Merchant prince is, is, is like a title, I believe, was given to somebody who was very wealthy, very influential. Okay, so this Lydia was not an ordinary lady. So the gospel reaches to this woman who was influential, very wealthy, was also known as a merchant prince. Okay, so this is the first kind of person whom the gospel reaches to. Merchant prince, that's a title actually. It's given to people who are into merchant business uh, uh, but, but are, and are very wealthy and influential. Second, the second person that is influenced by Paul's ministry is the slave girl. And this slave girl was a fortune teller. Turn with me to Acts chapter 16, verse 16 to 19. 16 to 19. Verse 16, it says like this, Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. Verse 17, This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Now, did this girl say anything wrong? No. Did this girl do anything wrong? No. Did she put them in trouble? No. She's just, you know, saying, these men are the servants of the Most High God, which is true, who will proclaim us the way to salvation, which is true. Uh, basically, Paul and Silas and Luke, along with them, got free publicity. Free publicity. But Paul knew that this is from an evil spirit. From an evil spirit. There's a lesson we can learn. There are many times people will come to help us, People will assure us of many things. They will help us grow in life. They may not be really from God. Lesson to learn. Okay, we'll go into that lesson much later. Okay, this girl followed Paul and cried out saying, these men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Verse 18 says like this, and she did this for many days, but Paul, greatly annoyed, 
turned and said to the spirit Paul knew this is coming from a spirit he said i command you in the name of jesus christ to come out of her and he came out that very hour so the second girl that was influenced by paul was the slave girl who was a fortune teller if you look at the status of the slave girl she was basically a living tool she was not even considered as a human being she had no regard in the society no regard in the society if you look at this compared between lydia and the slave girl lydia was influential she was worth something and you see the slave girl worth nothing in the society but where does the power of god reach it reaches to the greatest and also to the poorest okay this is another person we can read about the jailer in the city of philippi i accept a 16 was 25 to 32 where at midnight paul and silas were praying and singing hymns to god the prisoners were listening to them and there was a great earthquake and the foundation of the prison prison was shaken all the doors were opened and everyone chains were loosed and the keeper of the prison awaking from his sleep seeing the prison doors open supposing the prisoners had fled drew his sword and was about to kill but called call, paul called with a loud voice saying do yourself no harm for we are all here and so then he called for a light ran and fell down trembling before paul and silas and he brought them out and said sir what must i do to be saved so we see here the third person that is the jailer who comes to know christ comes to know christ so and if you look at the jailer the jailer was a roman romans would work on a civilian level they'd be given the honorary position of a citizenship if they were not a citizen and also he comes from a middle class anyone of that occupation will be from a middle class background so we see lydia from a higher class the roman jailer a middle class and the slave girl almost nothing but the gospel reaches to all there's something we can learn you know that the gospel cannot be is not only reserve, is not reserved for just one group of people not only for the elites not only for the middle class not only for the downtrodden it is for everybody and we see a beautiful example so these three were the one of the key members of the church these three were part of the church and it and it gives a beautiful picture of how the church should be it's not about all rich people sitting it's not about just about one group of people sitting and saying you know this church belongs to this caste this church belongs to this ethnicity but a church that is diverse church that is diverse they have wealthy as well as the poor they have the higher class as well as the middle class and also the lower class and it's beautiful when all come together and show the same kind of love to each other and live in harmony and that's what a church is all about many times we can come to church and look oh there's so many issues that come in a church because they see others and think okay they are not of our status in the society and people won't even mingle with them and i've heard many many stories but you see the scriptures it reminds us what a church should be diverse group of people from all backgrounds coming together standing together in the same place 
worshiping one God. Amen. So this is how the church began. And eventually what happened was there was a persecution that broke out and uh, Paul was imprisoned illegally and finally he was asked to leave the place and he leaves the place and that is why and, and what happens is after he leaves the place the persecution that came on Paul fell on the church okay Paul left the place but the persecution continued with the church and that is why if you look at Philippians chapter 1 verse 7 Paul says like this Philippians 1 7 Yeah, read, please. Yes, you are all partakers of me, partakers with me of grace. So, in other words, persecution broke out against Paul. Paul was asked to leave the city. He leaves the city but that problem continues with the church again. And he's saying, you're all partakers with me of grace, basically partakers in the, in the persecution and in you know, people affecting them because of Jesus. If you turn to verse 28, the same chapter, Philippians chapter one, 28, Paul says like this, and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation that from God. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me, and now here is in me. So if we look at the background of this verse, the background of this verse was Paul was illegally imprisoned and he was asked to leave the city and that persecution continued with the church. And Paul says that you're not only called to believe in Christ, but also to suffer for his sake. So the church at Philippi went through persecution. Now finally, let's quickly look at the reasons why Paul wrote this letter. Reasons why Paul wrote this letter. Four points, I'll quickly give this to you. Four points. First is that it is a letter of thanks. Philippi, Philippians is a letter of thanks. Because years had passed by and it was now about uh, 3063, 64 AD. And once again, Philippians sent him a gift. They heard Paul was in prison in, in Rome and they sent him a gift. And so he's writing a letter back to them saying thank you for the gifts. The second reason why Paul wrote this letter is to do with this man called Epaphroditus. Have you heard of him? Epaphroditus? Turn with me to Philippians chapter 2 verse 29 to 30. Let me quickly explain who Epaphroditus is. Epaphroditus is a man who brought the message from the Philippian church to Paul in Rome. Okay, 
He was the man who carried the message. Second, he was a man who carried the gifts that the church gave. And third, it is, he's also the man whom the church sent to serve Paul. So basically they said, okay, Epaphroditus, listen, go and serve Paul. He's in prison, take care of his needs. Be his personal servant. Okay, he was Epaphroditus. But what had happened is because, is that Epaphroditus became ill. He was homesick and he was worried that people came to know that he was sick and that he was worried that they were worried about him. <laughs> okay, you get what I'm saying? Epaphroditus had become ill almost to the point of death. Uh, so he was homesick and somehow people heard that he was homesick, that he, was, he had fallen sick. And now Epaphroditus was worried that his people have known that he is sick. So you see what's happening. You see, back in the day, there was no WhatsApp to, to send a picture saying, I'm all right, I'm doing okay, I'm getting better. You, you have to wait for two, three days or a week or more than a week to send one message saying, I'm all right. By the time you would have gotten well. <laughs> and they'll be thinking you're still sick. So a lot of things were happening like this. And, and what Paul decided is this. Paul decided it is better for Epaphroditus to go back home. Okay, it is better for him to go back home. But there's again a problem here. The church sent this man with a task to serve Paul. But if they see him coming back, they'll, they will see Epaphroditus as a quitter, as a man who didn't do his job. Okay, so that is why Paul writes this letter to tell him, welcome him back. These people des deserve great honor. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 2, verse 29. Yes. Okay, now you know why Paul is saying receive him. Did you know these, this all these days? Why does Paul say receive him? Because he didn't want the church to think that he's a man who quit. He's not a quitter. Paul is saying, listen, receive him because these people deserve such honor. Welcome them. Okay, so it had to do with Epaphroditus. Third is, it, is that it is a letter of encouragement. Philippines were going through trials and Paul says, be, uh, writes a letter to encourage them. Fourth reason, the final reason why Paul writes this letter is that it is an appeal for unity. Appeal for unity. There were people in the church who were quarreling with each other. So we see here there was an issue in the church where two women were quarreling. As a result, there was, they were breaking the unity of the church. Uh, unity of the church. So if you, if you see uh, Philippians chapter 4 verse 2. Philippians chapter 4 verse 2. What does it say there? Yeah. Yes. Now you know why Paul writes this. Why did Paul write this? To plead with these two women to stop fighting. He says, please stop fighting. And the reason why he writes this is because um, eventually this is, going, this is going to break the church. So to unite them and to keep them going, Paul writes this letter encouraging them to stay 
united to stop fighting. And also there were false teachers who were seeking to take the Philippines away. This is one of the common themes that you'll find in the New Testament, that is false teaching was entering into the church. Philippians chapter 3 verse 2. Can we turn to that passage? Philippians? Yeah. Uh, you can put it under fourth reason itself. Unity of the church. 3 verse 2. First is 4 verse 2. And then is 3 verse 2. People like false teachers are coming into the church. Yes. So what, what does Paul say? Watch out for those dogs. Interestingly, you know, if you read this book of Philippians, it starts with, you know, all loving. You know, it, when it comes to chapter 3, verse 2, automatically, you know, Paul puts the stop gear, pulls and he just goes full speed. It's like, watch out for those dogs, evildoers, and those mutilators of the flesh. In other words, you can see how passionate this man was for the church. That when false teaching started coming into the church, he was like, get those people out of the church. Don't let them inside. But today, you know, we are more kind with false teachers. We know they're teaching the false thing. We just pray for them and, you know. Paul says, get them out of the church. Because he knows what that will do to the church. And there's so many things to learn, you know, in, in standing against false teaching. So Paul says, Paul writes this to uh, help the church stand against false teaching. These were two main reasons. So basically, to appeal and to maintain the unity of the church. These were the four reasons why Paul wrote this letter. So now with this, with this as a background, when you go to your room, go to your home, and read the passage, you'll understand it way better. It'll be like the a light has turned on in your brain now. And you know why? Who is this lady syndicate? <laughs> you, dear, who is this? What, what, what are they up to? Paul is writing a letter to stop these ladies from fighting. And why is Paul saying, watch out for the dogs, false teachers? Why is Paul talking about you know, partakers in persecution? Where did it start? Started from Paul? went to the church. Who is Epaphroditus? You will now know. He was a man who carried the message, was supposed to be there, but he was worried that his people came to know. So back and forth, there were too many worries. Paul said, you go back home. And he's writing a letter saying, receive this man with great honor. So you see, uh, uh, as you read this letter, you'll understand this better with all this background information. One thing about background information is that, uh, you know, we used to have this class called Bible Survey in Bible College. It was a little boring subject. But I tell you, at the end of the semester, we were so glad we studied. We're so glad we studied. Why? Because in that subject, we would go through 66 books in the Bible. 66 books in the Bible, read about the background, the context, the themes, and the key verses for 66 books. So if we take the book of Romans, we'll know what the main themes are. Galatians, what are the main themes? Matthew, what are the main themes? So once we go through that, when we went through the class, I still remember it being a dull and a boring class. That was early in the morning at 8.30. Uh, it was really, you know, who sleeps in the night back in hostel? Uh, 
but today I look back, that same subject, which was boring, helps me even in preaching today. What happens today is when I take a passage, I'm not reading the background all the time. I already know what the background is, what the issues are, and why Paul is writing this. I know what the... So that helps me preach better and teach better. And so also that helps me to know when somebody is going out of context. If somebody is taking a verse and then... Because see, if you don't know the background, if you don't know the context, anybody can say anything to you and they can fool you. You get it? Anybody can say anything. They will say, uh, Christ is like this. He is not really the supreme one. You'll be like, maybe, you know. Jesus said, I don't know the time. Only the Father knows. Then you'll think, okay, maybe Jesus didn't know. He was not God. No. <laughs> there's, there's a very prominent teaching going around like that. Jesus was not really God. He was just human being, just like us. He was human, obviously like us. But he was God, which we are not. Okay? And that is why Colossians deals with that very clearly. He is the supreme creation. And then it goes on to say, for God pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. In other words, he was fully God, fully man. And if you understand the background of Colossians, again, Colossians, same kind of heresy, where they said Jesus was not truly God. He was a good man. He was supreme man, did great things, but he was not God. Paul writes as a response to that. So when you understand the context, you will know how to defend the gospel and how to understand the verses better. Okay? So with this in mind, just uh, go back to your rooms and read it. By the time you meet for the next study, read it for three times. Then we will sit together and study this book. A very interesting, a beautiful book, one of my favorites. Um, contains so many practical lessons to live life. Uh, so many lessons to be joyful even in terms of uh, tough situation and uh, let me give one more task for you one more task Philippians chapter 2 there's a passage from verse 6 to 11 how many of you know that by heart chapter 2 verse 6 to 11 this is a passage that I would like you to uh, memorize Paul says, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Okay? And therefore God exalted him, all that. It's just a beautiful, this is called as a passage of Christology, theology of Christ. I want you to memorize this passage about six verses there are so many truths to unpack from this passage and we will get to that once we reach chapter 2 I'm gonna end here um, let me say something this is a Bible study this is a type of study that is going to take effort from your side okay and I was doing Genesis, you know, every time you hear of some facts that you didn't know, you'll be like, wow, I didn't know this. You know, you'll be, you'll be surprised. But when you read, when we go through this sort of a study, it'll be very, um, you may not be hit with all the facts, but you have to make an effort to study it by yourself, to read it, understand it, 
and then you will learn a lot more things on your own. This is a different type of study. So please put some effort uh, and you'll be able to learn a lot more things from this passage, from this book. Let's close our eyes in prayer. Father, we want to thank you for who you are and for what we have heard from your scriptures today. We've studied the background of the book of Philippians. And Master, we pray that even as we go back to our rooms and meditate on this book, read this book over and over again, help us to understand the themes behind this, the message that is contained in each of these verses. Help us, Lord, to be your child that knows your word and who is also well-versed in your word. Master, we pray that you would help us spend more time with your word, help us study, gain more insight and gain more knowledge from your word. Master, we thank you for all that you have done for us this evening. Thank you for helping us to study your word. In Jesus' name, amen.